I thought that I would do a special live podcast just to kind of take it back to the roots of the show. You know, I really was thinking about like where the show started and, uh, you know, just the, the origins of the podcast. So yeah, thanks for being here. I wanted to share a little bit about the origin of the podcast since the audience has grown so much, you know, and just to share a little bit about that. You know, this, this experience is reminding me of the humble beginnings of the podcast when we started out on IG live and generally I would start the live and then I would have to get the guest for the podcast in. And so there would be a little bit of time to kill as I tried to get them in. Sometimes there were some technical issues like they couldn't join the live and I'd be like trying to watch the messages as well as the live stream. And yeah, you know, eventually people would start trickling in and the guests would get there and then we'd start the podcast. So that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about today. And I think in the nature of just, you know, just doing what we, what we can with what we have, I'm going to go ahead and get started because I do plan on releasing this as a special podcast episode as well as a live stream. So when it comes to self-development, no matter the method you choose, the vital point is to practice. If you're ready to transform your life and claim the potential inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome back to the Vital Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. As a transformation coach and breathwork facilitator, my goal is to inspire you to take action for yourself. This podcast will help you learn simple methods you can use to transform your life, share the stories of practitioners who are doing the work, so that you feel inspired to go and practice because that's the vital point. Thanks to those folks that are joining the uh, live stream. Welcome. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can leave them below. So today is international podcasting day. And so I just had this bright idea to do a, a live episode because this is how the podcast started, started on IG live, would do these live streams. And it was a way to kind of bootstrap an audience. It was a way to stand out. You know, I always had guests on the early episodes. So I was hoping that, you know, their audience would notice that they were doing a live and pop on and hopefully start to follow the podcast. There's been definitely a lot of, you know, audience that's built in that way. And literally the first episode of the podcast was two years and two weeks ago. And it's a great story. And if you follow the podcast, you might've heard me share part of this before. If not, hope you can uh, sit through it again. So there was 90 minutes between the initial idea for the podcast and getting the first episode posted. I watched a video that popped up in my feed with Gary V. And for those of you that don't know, Gary V is an incredible entrepreneur and motivational speaker and very early YouTuber. And so this video said, Hey, if you want to start a podcast, don't try to start it like doing an hour long, unless you're going to like, just talk by yourself because it's going to be really hard for you unless you already are known or have an audience or have some sort of value that you can offer your guests. It's going to be really hard for you to get 60 to 90 minutes of somebody's time if you don't have an audience. What if you did a two-minute podcast? What if you did a one-question podcast? And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. I should do that. And so I ran into my partner's room and I was like, really excited. I was like, Hey, I got this great idea. I need your help. Can you help me like right now, right now? And she's like, just, you know, kind of like this deer in the headlights look, because I was so like probably crazed looking and she's like, Hey, I can't help you right now, but cause I have a client, but 
I'm free in an hour and a half. And I'm like, okay, this is only going to take like five minutes because I only have one question, right? And to pull the lens back even a little further, the reason that it was so important for me to act right now, like in that moment to not wait is because I had already had an idea for a podcast. I had had an idea for a podcast about nine months earlier. I woke up. I literally like this idea was just like in my cache. Like if my brain was like a memory bank or like a computer, it was like already buffered. And this idea was just there. And the idea was to do a podcast. It was going to be called opening the circle and the sort of the gimmick or the, you know, the, the, the catch of the podcast was that the guest of the podcast would, would open the space would open the episode with some sort of meditation or practice, whatever, whatever they wanted. Right. And I'd kind of gotten the idea from, I was doing the neurodynamic breathwork facilitator training at the time. And every time we would have a class, a session, somebody, a student would get to open the space in whatever the method that they wanted, whatever they chose. And I thought that that was really cool. And it was really neat because, you know, even though sometimes like the practices would sort of repeat themselves, right? Like somebody would do, okay, we're going to do a mindfulness practice. The practice would be different every time because everybody has their own individual energy and their own like vibe and their own way of doing mindfulness practice. And I thought, oh, what if, what if that would be like, that would be a cool idea for a podcast, right? So this is nine months before the current podcast launched and I got really excited. I jumped out of bed. I got an IG page. I got a Facebook page. I made a logo in Canva. I was like, all right, I am ready to go. And I ended up recording four or five episodes with some amazing people. And, and those episodes have still not seen the light of day because I recorded these episodes, which were I mean, the, the guests were great. I was probably not great because, you know, it takes time to, to get good at something, but the guests had amazing practices. Like there was a Kundalini yoga practice. There was a universal meditation practice. There was like an energy meditation. There was a mindfulness, really cool stuff. And then, I, so I had all these, you know, I, I wasn't planning on doing a, a video at the time. I just had the audio and I was like, okay. What do I do now? I knew I needed to edit. I knew I needed to like promote it and post it. And somehow I just, I got stuck. I literally felt stuck. Like I felt overwhelmed by everything that I needed to do. I really didn't know how to get started. And I just let myself get stuck. And then literally like for nine months, every day, I would sit there and think, I got to, I got to work on the podcast. I got to do it. And I think I even started to like edit a couple of them. And I started to realize like, I mean, one of them like had some technical issues because it was the first podcast I had ever done. I didn't know anything about like how to set up the mics and with zoom and cause that's how I was recording it. And like, I just didn't know what I was doing. And then the other thing was that, you know, I, didn't realize how much work it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, you know, just record a conversation with somebody and post it and that's it. So I, I started to edit it and I was like realizing like, wow, this is, this is actually a lot of work, you know, like editing all this dead space and pauses and just trying to make it sound somewhat professional. Like I wanted it in my head. And so I just got stuck. And I know it is not an easy process, right? <laughs> and I just got stuck. And every day, like I would think about it every day. I would be like, I got to get this podcast posted. What are these people going to think? I like interviewed them and we did this whole thing. And how come? And, and like every day that went on, it felt like the weight got heavier. It felt like the need to have completion and figure out what to do got worse and worse and worse. Right. So when I watched this video from Gary V that was like, do a 
two minute podcast, do a one question podcast. I just jumped on it. I was like, somehow in my mind, cause like I didn't have the language or the training that I do now to understand that that stuckness that I felt was my nervous system, like shutting down because something in that process didn't feel safe. And it was easier and safer for me to stay stuck than it was to do something about it, right? To edit five hour long conversations. Somehow in my subconscious, doing a one question podcast was manageable. But I knew that if I thought about it too much, if I gave it too much thought, I would get stuck again, right? Because I had already experienced that for nine months. And so I was like, I have to do this now, like right now, no waiting. Who's going to help me with this podcast? And it was my wonderful partner, Aya, who puts up with me and my crazy ideas. So I ran into her room. I'm like, we got to do this right now. I need like five minutes of your time. And she's like, hey, I got a client. But and I'm like, no, 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 we got to do it right now. Just five minutes. I got a client, Jonathan. But I'll be free in like 90 minutes. I'm like, okay, I just sat there. Like, I remember just being like, so juiced up and waiting for her. And finally she's like, okay, I'm done with my client. What do you need? And I'm like, I explained the idea to her. She's like kind of rolling her eyes. Okay, whatever. We jumped on IG live. She was in her room. I was in mine. And I asked her one question. I decided because it was Wednesday and the, the idea was I was going to ask the guest one question. I called the podcast One Question Wednesday. Super creative, I know. And the question was, what is the biggest misconception that people have about working with ayahuasca? Because if you don't know my partner, Aya, she is an amazing ayahuasca preparation and integration coach. She actually has a free course that she just put out on how to do ayahuasca preparation and integration from like a Western mindfulness therapy, inner child perspective. It's really amazing. We'll link it in the show page. If you are interested in getting it, you definitely should because it's a free, amazing course that she put out. But we did the podcast and like it was, I think it was like five minutes, six minutes maybe. And so I posted it. I know, right? Ayahuasca is super amazing. It's been really inspirational in my life and definitely hers as well. Yeah. So five, you know, six minutes posted it, boom, done. And it was such a genius idea because like, I mean, literally that podcast probably got like, you know, that video got like five views, right? So it, here I am in my head overthinking things and like making it complicated. It has to be perfect. Oh my God, I can't do anything unless it's perfect. Well, why? There was like five people that watched that initial video, right? Because nobody knew that I was doing a podcast and I didn't have a big audience. I was just getting started, you know? So you should just do the thing, even if you don't think that you're ready for it, right? 50% is the new 100%, okay? And so that was how the podcast started. I started like hitting up people that I knew from my network. I hit up Connie Basowski, who is breathwork alchemy here on Instagram, because we had gone through the neurodynamic breathwork training program together. I hit up Jamie Clements, who's the breath space here, because we had met doing like a clubhouse together, because I had started to try to get involved with clubhouse because this was during COVID. So everybody was like home, right? And I hit up Michael Stone, who was very gracious at this time, because he was the founder of Neurodynamic Breathwork. So I started like reaching out to my network and I started doing this podcast every week. And by the end of 2021, I had 14 episodes, including one solo episode. And I was like, really just trying to bootstrap the, the audience for the podcast through doing it on IG live through, you know, working with other people's, you know, audiences, hoping that they would see they're the person that they were following on, you know, doing a live and get curious and pop in and, you know, 
follow the show, right? The other thing that started to happen at the end of, by the end of 2021 with these 14 episodes done was that I realized that I was starting to outgrow this initial format of One Question Wednesday. Because even though the first episode was five minutes and there were a few episodes that were like 10 minutes or less, the episodes started to get longer. There were reflections. There were some follow-up questions. I, I wasn't asking like a simple question. You know, usually it was like, you know, why is men's work important? Or like, why do you need to practice breath work regularly? What's your favorite Zen koan? You know, like these things where it started like a conversation started to develop and it started to be kind of a joke that it was called one question Wednesday because it was getting really hard to stick to the one question format. And the other thing was like, I started to ask myself, like, why did I paint myself into a corner of doing a live on Wednesday? You know, like, just think about the logistics of that. If you're trying to work with a guest, you got six other days of the week that you can't record, right? So it's like, why did I do this to myself? And all of a sudden, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, it's my show. I can change it if I want. And what immediately popped up in relation to this one question, sometimes being very brief and being very short and like concise and sometimes being very long and elaborate and having follow-up questions and, you know, nuance and things was something that had come up in a mushroom ceremony about probably like a year prior to this insight. And sometimes what happens to me when I'm doing ceremony is there will be a particular book or a particular something that wants to come through, something that gets channeled. And I have this huge bookshelf of like mostly Buddhist books, but books on spirituality. And sometimes something just starts calling to me. And when that happens, I will listen and I'll get curious and I'll go to the book and I just let spirit, source, the mushrooms, whatever you want to call it, guide me to what I need to see in this book. I'll just open it in the right place without thinking about it, without like overanalyzing it. I'll just open it and without fail, it's always like a really profound thing. So in the middle of this mushroom ceremony, this book started to call to me. This book is called the golden letters. It's about 400 pages. Somehow when I opened this book, which by the way, I had never read before, honest to God, I bought this book. This book is published by snow lion publishing, which is like one of the most well-known Buddhist publishers. I had bought it when I lived in upstate New York in 2004, and I would drive to Ithaca, which is where Snow Lion has their like publishing headquarters. And I would just buy like a stack of books that called to me from, you know, their like library. And I don't know why I bought this book. I think I, I bought it because the foreword was done by Namkai Norbu Rinpoche, who I had done a retreat with before I moved to upstate New York, a Dzogchen retreat. He was a Dzogchen master. And this is a book about Dzogchen, which is one of the highest forms of meditation in the Buddhist practice. It's also considered like the highest form of Tantra within Buddhism. And, but I never read it. So here I am in this mushroom journey. This book is calling to me. I open the book up and I, I shit you not. I opened it right to the heart of the book, which is the three statements that strike the vital point, the three statements that strike the vital point. Now just let that sink in for a second. 
And these three statements were just speaking to me in that moment. The first statement is one is introduced directly to one's own nature. One definitively decides upon this unique state. One continues directly with confidence and liberation. And this, these three statements are this teaching by one of the first Dzogchen teachers, masters named Garib Dorje. And these three statements that strike the vital point are the teaching that he gave on his deathbed. And this book is all about these three statements. So the fact that I opened it up to that page, which like, if you look at it, I mean, it's like, I have it marked now, but like, it's, you know, I don't know, like 20 or 30 pages into it, 37 pages out of this 400 page book. The rest of the book is commentaries on these three statements. Some of them are very small. Some of them are medium sized. Some of them are big, right? So not only was this teaching like really, really profound and insightful in the moment, there was like a lot of stuff that was coming through with it. But in hindsight, as I was thinking about what should I, what should I do with the, with the podcast? It was like, oh, isn't this interesting? Well, here's this one question. And sometimes the answers are really short. Sometimes they're really like in kind of medium. Sometimes they're really long. What if I called the podcast the vital point? So I thought, okay, this is, this is interesting. Like, I feel like there's something here just in, in terms of that, you know, like idea of small, medium, large, but always, you know, kind of going back to this vital point, right? How interesting. And there was something about it in terms of like, I don't know the the idea that i wanted to incorporate the practice element right it's one thing to talk about meditation it's another thing to actually practice it it's one thing to talk about breath work it's another thing to actually practice it it's one thing to talk about psychedelic integration it's another thing to actually practice it and I thought, gee, my vital point that I want to get across in this podcast is that you have to practice. So I rebranded the show beginning of 2022 as the vital point. And I started not only, you know, sort of rebranded, but I started to ask the guests, can you, would you be willing to offer a practice? Right? Like something so that not only are the is the audience getting something that they can, you know, like a conversation that they can use and that inspires them and sparks their curiosity, but like let the people know what it's like to work with you. You know, give them a practice because like we don't want to just talk about it, we want to be about it, right? And as I was thinking about this this morning, there was like an there was an, a sort of a third meaning that came up, which was here was this idea. I got to do a podcast and I stuck with it. I decided like, I, you know, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. And then I've continued with it. Right. So in a way that's, you know, that's a vital point too, or it's like a way that that teaching has integrated in my life. So just, you know, like how neat, how cool. So all this has like been on my mind today. This is international podcasting day and it feels so good to like sort of go back to the roots uh, of the spon spontaneous roots of doing the podcast live on IG live. I'm actually live streaming on YouTube and Facebook as well. And we'll be posting it on all the platforms and the video on YouTube. And yeah, it's, so I start, I kept doing the podcast on IG live for a while. And then as the podcast continued to get longer and longer and bigger, and there started to be some like technical issues. IG live is great. It's not really designed for 
hour long, you know, conversations. And there came a point in time where the audience had grown and I had had enough of having these like, you know, sort of technical issues. And I decided, Hey, it's time to like have a quote unquote real podcast. I'm going to start recording it offline on video, posting it on YouTube, have a better audio recording than I'm getting through, you know, IG live. And, you know, I would have a microphone and I bought some equipment so that I could hook an actual microphone and a mixer up to my phone. But, you know, the, usually the guests didn't have it. So I'm like, I want to take it a step further. And that's where we're at now. As of recording this episode, doing this live, there are 78 episodes available on your favorite audio platform that's available basically on any audio platform. You can search for The Vital Point or my name, Jonathan Schechter, on you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, whatever you like to listen to, and it'll pop up. And I would say there's probably 40... 40-ish of those episodes are available on YouTube as well. For anyone thinking of starting a spiritual podcast, anything else you'd recommend? Oh, that's a great, great question. I mean, I would say just, first of all, just start. Like I'm saying, like you're, don't, don't let your like fear, your self-doubt or like the hesitancy. Like we always, we always want to wait until we're ready to do something like hundred percent ready or like feel good, but you're not going to feel that way in the beginning. So just start, you know, and, and be authentic, like be, be yourself, you know, just decide what is that thing that you want to share to the world and, and talk about it, you know, thinking about like, what would somebody listening be getting out of this? You know, like I'm, I'm a breathwork facilitator. So oftentimes I'm either talking to other breathwork facilitators or doing breathwork practices on the podcast. I also have been doing meditation for 20 years. So like oftentimes we'll have a meditation and I'm a integration coach. So, you know, I'm talking to people about integration, whether that's, you know, some of the most popular episodes have been about mushrooms and especially like high dose mushroom work. But we've also had some really amazing episodes where we're talking about somatic work, us internal family systems, things that people are using to assist in their psychedelic integration, right? So I guess that would be my, that would be my advice is just like, start before you're ready. Because if you wait till you're ready, you're going to be like me and like sitting around for nine months trying to figure out how to figure, figuring it out, how to get it together, right? So yeah, we've got 78 episodes posted now. I have another 12, a new season that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, you're very welcome. And it's just some amazing, amazing guests. All the, pretty much all the guests from the new season are either people that I met in Denver at the MAPS conference or are return guests. There's a bunch of returning guests, and that's been something that I've been kind of trying to develop as the show has grown is like guests that I've really vibed with, that I've gotten along with, or that have, you know, I feel have given a lot of value to the audience, ask them back. And that's been a really interesting thing because you can, you don't have to like go through sort of the intro of like, so like, who are you and how did you get started on this path and things like this? So I've got an episode with Joe Tafour, Dr. Joe Tafour, who, which is amazing about plant medicine and, uh, you know, the energy and kind of the integration of Western medicine and psychedelics. We've got Taylor Bratches, who gave this amazing talk at the MAPS conference about the intersection of rave and ritual. And this was so cool because like literally one of the first conversations that I had with my partner when we like first became friends and started getting to know each other was, you know, talking about sort of the, how the rave scene was 
similar to shamanism in certain ways. And so the, to have somebody be doing like a, a whole presentation on it at the MAPS conference was really, really amazing. We've got an episode with my friend and fellow podcaster, the Trip Sitting podcast, Trip Sitting blog, Cam. And I've been on his podcast. So we've just become friends through that. We got to hang out at the conference. We have an amazing conversation coming up. Meditation teacher, Amanda Gilbert, who goes through a really, really cool meditation. Yahan Kamsizadeh, he has an amazing book about mushrooms and, you know, not only the history of psilocybin, but like the how to work with them in the present day. And so that's really cool. We also have a really awesome um, podcast about Buddhism and meditation with Michael Cammers, who I met in the Dharma Moon Meditation Teacher Program. He's also the co-host of Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn, who's also been on the podcast previously. We have a episode coming up with Daniel McQueen, who's the host or host, the founder of Medicinal Mindfulness in Colorado about psychedelic cannabis and breathwork. We have a third conversation with Connie Basalski, breathwork alchemy here. And we're both currently going through the somatic experiencing practitioner training program. So we got to talk about nervous system regulation and somatic experiencing. And a few more that are recorded, but undecided. And that's just a wonderful thing that's kind of come up through the podcast is like now I'm, you know, recording episodes a couple months out because I have an abundance of podcasts, lots of people wanting to be on the show. And so it takes time to get from the recording to the editing to actually you know, getting them posted. So there are a lot of podcasts still coming. We'll be at at least 90 episodes by the end of the year, if not more. And yeah, it's really exciting. I feel really, really blessed to be doing this. You know, when I was really young, and by really young, I mean in my early 20s, speaking of mushrooms and the impact that they've had on, on the podcast and on my life. There was this one day I was sitting with my friend and we were at his house and we had taken some mushrooms and he was telling me that his girlfriend at the time, her brother had gotten this job designing a streaming video. And I know that Maybe the impact of that statement 20 some years ago isn't that much, right? Because here we are, I'm literally live streaming this podcast on three different platforms right now. But at the time, you know, early 2000s, 2001 or 2002, streaming video was like non-existent. Streaming video was just starting and most of the video, even if it said it was quote unquote streaming would be like super choppy. Like it would be, it was super, super low quality. And my friend was like, yeah, like they've developed this algorithm and technology. It's like really amazing. It actually streams and these guys are using it for this website they're going to call it youth radio network. And it, their idea is to have like MTV, but social issues and things that youth are going to be interested in. And I was like, cool. Sounds good. And he said, yeah, you know, if you, if you have an idea for a show, we could an interview with these guys. And I sat there high <laughs> on mushrooms. And I'm like, what would I talk about? I don't know what I'd talk about. And as the day wore on and my journey continued, all of a sudden I had this insight and I was like, oh, I could, 
could go to raves and film DJs playing at the raves and interview ravers because this is, you know, early 2000s, like EDM hadn't become mainstream yet. Raving was still like a dirty word, especially in LA where I was living at the time. Everything was like underground, everything like the media portrayal of it was like a bunch of kids in a warehouse doing drugs all night. And not that raving isn't that or wasn't that, but there was also, you know, like I was going to parties that were you know, doing toy drives for Christmas and, you know, charity work. And I had met all these amazing people, you know, friends raving. And I'm like the rave, the rave scene and the rave culture is, is so much more than just this oversimplification of a bunch of kids doing drugs. And I want to talk about that. So what if, what if we go to the, the raves and, and film and, interview people and and then we could have DJs come in studio too and and DJ. So I came up with this idea for for the show. I pitched it to them. They were like, "Cool. Well, we want to have like a talk, you know, these talk shows, but okay, yeah, music, whatever, whatever." And so I started doing this show. It was called Digital Pulse. And I met some of my best friends doing that show. Friends, people that I'm still friends with, like really good friends and that have gone on to do amazing things. And, you know, I like bootstrapped myself. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that like when you go to raves, they were promoting the raves with flyers. Now, mind you again, like this is early, like this is 2001, 2002, right? So you know, the internet was much younger and fresher and people didn't have iPhones and, you know, the, it was a lot different. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So my idea was like, I was going to pass out flyers at the parties I was going to, and people would tune in to this, this show. Right. And again, this was before podcasts. And I told the, I told the guys that ran the network, this idea. And they were like, that's a really stupid idea. And I like begged and pleaded and they, I think they ended up giving me like 50 bucks or something. And I went to Kinko's and I like printed out these flyers on colored paper. They were like quarter eight by 11, you know, so I eight by 11 had four different flyers like chopped them up there at, at Kinko's and I, you know, started passing them out by the time digital pulse stopped, they were paying for die cut, glossy, double-sided colored flyers that I had hooked them up with somebody that, you know, printed flyers for the rave scene. Cause if you remember the raves back in the day, they would have these amazing cool flyers because that was basically their main way that they were marketing it, right? Besides for like some early message boards and stuff like that. So one, one way that they were wrong. And then the other thing that I would do during the show was, you know, the DJ would start to play. I would like, yeah, I would interview them a little bit before they started to play. And they would start playing music. I wouldn't have anything to do. So I would like go into the other room and I would like get on a message board. Cause again, early two thousands, if you're that old and I would like go onto these music or like, you know, rave techno message boards. And I'd be like, Hey, such and such is playing live right now on this website. You should go check it out. Again, something that these guys that were running the website thought, what the hell are you doing? By the time Digital Pulse stopped being a thing, everybody was doing it. They were definitely doing it. Other people that worked at the company were doing it. And the reason that the show stopped was that the show started to get bigger 
I partnered with one of the coolest, best known rave promoters at the time in LA. And we started to do a additional show every month. And the deal that I made with them was that they were going to bring me DJ talent in exchange for promoting their, you know, parties, their events on the pod. I wanted to call it on the podcast because I mean, that's basically what it was, but there weren't podcasts back then on the show. And so all of a sudden there were like these big talents coming in. Some of them like international talents and these guys that ran the company, the website had basically been like jerking me around, you know, like during the initial pitch, I told them, this is what I need. I need two turntables and a mixer. It needs to be like legit professional quality, basically whatever they use in the, you know, in the clubs and the raves. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you that. And for those first shows, one of the owners would send me across the San Fernando Valley to his cousin, this kid who had a DJ rig. And I would like load it up in my car and he would let me borrow it because of his uncle. And then I'd have to bring it back. So here I am schlepping this DJ rig. And, you know, if you're familiar with turntables, the technique 1200s that are used for, you know, raves or were used for raves. There's almost nobody still playing on that in terms of raving, but they are heavy. So I was lugging this big, heavy ass thing, right? Every week, not to mention that this kid was getting annoyed, like, I don't want to keep letting you borrow my DJ gear. And temporarily, like we, I worked with the rave promoters that I was working with. And there was this company called Tonka Sound that was doing all the sound setup for most of the big raves in LA. And they let me borrow one of their rigs as long as it said Tonka on it. And so they were getting promotion for it too, right? But I couldn't always use that. And so I started to get really frustrated and I was going into these guys and I'm like, hey, the show is taking off. I have these big international talent coming in. We can't be like having this Bush League stuff. Like you and on top of the fact that we've got this Bush League setup. You guys promised to give me this gear. I was very entitled at the time. I'm literally asking for less than $3,000 worth of equipment to have international worldwide talent coming in. Right. And I knew that the show was driving traffic to this website. And so I was like going in and these meetings were getting a little bit more angry and I was young and. I didn't understand business. I didn't have experience. And so finally I wrote these guys a letter because I thought writing a letter and getting all my thoughts out will be better than trying to articulate what I was articulating in person. And they were kind of stonewalling me and whatever. Right. And in this letter, I wrote like, hey, this is what you promised me. This is how you're not living up to that promise. Here's these things that I'm doing for the website, like not even my show, but the whole company, because I believe in this company. This the our studio for this for this company for it was right across the street in Studio City from CBS Studios. Almost every day these movie and studio executives, these television executives were coming in and looking at our setup because even though streaming video wasn't really a thing yet, and it was just barely taking off these studio execs knew that this was the future and they were right. I mean, look at, look at where we're at right now, right? Cable is dead. 
everything is streaming. Everybody has their own streaming service. You can watch all this streaming stuff on your phone. I'm literally live streaming this podcast right now on three different platforms. They knew it was the future and they were going to buy this website to get the technology. So here I am getting frustrated. Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can. Like I believe in this, believe in this company. I want it to be successful. I want me to be successful, but I also want this company to be successful because I want whatever piece that I'm going to get, even if it's just a few thousand dollars, whatever of the hundred million dollar deal that these guys wanted to sell a technology for. I'm not making this up. So I believe in this company. Like I'm, you know, look at all these things that I'm doing. I got, got you guys the flyers. I hooked that up. You didn't believe in me. You thought it was a dumb idea. You literally told me that to my face, but I did it anyway. Now you're using the flyers. You looked at me like I was crazy when I started to go into message boards and try to fish people into the live streams. Now you all do it. And not only that, my friend that got me hooked up into this company, I work five times as hard as him, right? And they looked at me, they read this letter and they said, who the F do you think you are? You're fired. And then they turned around literally after I left the room and called my friend that had gotten me into this company. And they said, you should hear what your best friend just said about you. And my friend said, you know what? You guys are idiots. He's right. He does work five times as hard as me. I'm sure you're not going to be surprised to hear that they fired him within a week of this, right? And because he was, you know, his girlfriend at the time's brother was like the chief data guy and architect of this website, they gave me the back door in to like, look at the analytics for how many people were visiting the website. And as soon as they had taken the show Digital Pulse off of the site, the ratings, the views, the visitors to the site started to go down. And within a few months, the website failed. And gosh, what a shame. And I used to have a huge chip on my shoulder about that because here was this hundred million dollar deal that these guys had messed up because they didn't want to take direction from anybody else. They just wanted, they thought that they knew everything and who am I, this, you know, 20 something year old kid to come in here and tell them how to run their company. And I had a chip on my shoulder about that for a long time, especially as I, as streaming video kept getting bigger and I saw other companies doing exactly what my idea was, what I had been doing. You know, you look at a company like be at TV that goes all over the world and live streams, these amazing, you know, raves and festivals all over the world. And I used to look at that and be like, I, I was doing that. I was doing that 10 years ago and like pull my hair out at like, man, I could have been a, a millionaire right now. And, you know, after I got fired, I, I did try, I like, I shopped it. I shopped the show to some other people. I tried to, I tried to do something with that, but I had no experience. The people that did take meetings with me, they were like, what's your business plan? And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to write that. I wanted somebody to do the work for me. And they just said, Hey, good luck. If you can like come up with an idea of how to run this as a business, come back. Otherwise I don't really know what to do with this. 
and I didn't. And I gave up. And so that goes back to, you know, the question that was asked earlier of like, how, how to get started? What should I do to start out? Just start. Don't give up. Don't let yourself get in your own way. If I really believed in myself back then, I probably could have figured out how to write a business plan. Probably could have figured out how to put some stuff together, but I didn't. It felt overwhelming and I gave up and moved on to other things. And my life went into some other amazing directions because of that. Like I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you right now if I had kept doing that show, right? Because I never would have gone and lived in Tibet for a year and, you know, discovered meditation and come back and had a dark night of the soul and, you know, discovered breath work and become a coach and a breath work facilitator and inevitably a podcaster and right where I am right now, right? Things would have turned out differently. But I had a chip on my shoulder about that for a long time. When I look at it now and I've made peace with it, you know, I've realized like, wow, I always wanted to do this thing. Even when I didn't really know what I was doing. And there's been moments where I have doubted myself, have felt like giving up. And I've been like, you know what? You've done this before. You're good at just creating stuff out of thin air. Cause there's been times where I've really doubted myself as an entrepreneur and, you know, I've had much more experience like working for other people. And I'm like, man, I don't know how to start companies. I don't know how to start a podcast. I don't know how to market this. I don't know how to edit this. I don't know what to do with it. And then I like sit back and I go, wait a minute. Yeah, you do. You did it like 20 years ago and you had a really good time doing it, you know? And there's something like back in May, I think. Yeah, it was before I went to the MAPS conference and I and I were having a conversation and I was telling her, I'm like, you know, I just feel like putting more energy into the podcast. I want to really like commit to the podcast and make it grow. And this is where I'm feeling like putting my energy behind. And she said, you must really like the podcast because you're not making any money on it right now. I said, yeah, you're right. I'm not. And she said, well, but you, you, you love doing it. Like you're doing it even though you're not making money at it. And I said, yeah, you're right. And you're right. I do love doing it. Of course, eventually I'd love to make money off of it. I mean, I've gotten coaching clients from it. I've had people come to my breath work groups because of it. But at the end of the day, I just love doing it. And that brings us back to the present. I'm just going to leave it on that gratitude and on that love of this format on this medium at the root of what I'm doing is a desire to be of service. And so 25 or so percent of this podcast is just me talking, me sharing different practices from my coaching practice, from my experience, things that have helped me in my own psychedelic integration and personal development. The other 75% are amazing guests that have a lot to offer. Meditation teachers, internal family systems coaches, somatic experiencing practitioners, breathwork facilitators, integration coaches, entrepreneurs, and almost all of them, regardless of the modality that they're using, has the same basic story. And that story is they went through some sort of tragedy, some sort of catastrophe, some sort of dark night of the soul. And the method that they're helping people work with is one of the things that helped get them 
through that time. And as they emerge from that dark night of the soul, from that tragedy, it wasn't even really a choice to share with other people. It was a calling. And that's been one of the things that has continuously astounded me doing this podcast is that regardless of people's background, regardless of the method they're using, they feel the need to share it with others. And that's what motivates them in their work. That's what helps guide them to do what they're doing. And I'm not really any different, you know, this, this path, or at least the, the chapter of the, this path that I'm on right now, it started with me going through a really messy divorce and a really rough time in my life, you know, with a spouse that was abusive to me and a marriage that was completely dysfunctional and in which I felt completely lost. And when I finally got the courage to leave, when I finally got the courage to leave and I sat by myself with myself, I knew that I didn't just want to be a victim. Even though I was the abused one, I had to honestly look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what? You should have left a long time ago. And the fact that you didn't means that you've got some work to do too. You can't just go, well, free of that situation and wipe my hands and, oh, well, it's her, it's her fault. It's her problem. I want to do some work. I got some stuff that needs fixing so that I don't end up in the same type of situation again if for no other reason that I don't want to end up with another partner like that. And that led me to breath work. That led me to doing ice baths. That led me to working more intentionally with plant medicine and working intentionally with plant medicine means doing integration. And it led to this opening and this, you know, sort of spiritual journey that I'm on which as of today doing, you know, about eight different breathwork groups per month, coaching people on regulating their nervous system and psychedelic integration, breathwork, leading meditations, leading live workshops, leading online workshops, having a podcast. But all this came out of doing that work and that initial realization that I had that work to do on myself. And so here I am trying to give back and be of service. And it goes back to, you know, the aspiration to behave like a Bodhi. And that aspiration is that it's not enough to just have your own enlightenment. It's not enough to have your own liberation if everyone else around you is suffering. If everybody else is still asleep, it's not enough that you wake up, but you have to wake up. And so this podcast is one way that I can help to continue to do that. So I guess I will save the stories of the holotropic breathwork retreat for another episode. Really appreciate you sticking around and listening to this, this rant, this rambling my stories of the origins of this podcast and my desire to be a podcaster even before podcasting was such a thing. And I hope that this has inspired you to, you know, take action for yourself. It was really amazing that, you know, one of the questions that popped up in the live stream was how, how, how do I start my own podcast? You know, how do I, start to share my gifts of spirit with somebody else. Super, super cool. 
And so if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or psychedelic integration coaching, shoot me a message. You can reach me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com. And I'd love to chat more about how I can support you or you can come to one of the many breathwork groups that I'm leading every month online. We've got a few in-person events coming up in Tucson, one in October and one in November with Aya. And uh, yeah, much more podcast to come. So I appreciate you sharing this journey with me. I appreciate you uh, being here and your curiosity. And, and remember that regardless of the modality that you use, the vital point is to practice. And so I hope that this podcast has inspired you to do just that. So until next time, my friends, thank you so much for being here. Remember, vital point is to practice. So keep